Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of uh, Easy Tarot Lessons. My name is Dusty White. I'm your host, um, author of Easiest Way to Learn the Tarot Ever, Advanced Tarot Secrets. Hopefully, you know all that by now. Blah blah blah. We have uh, Cassie and Paul on today. Hi, Cassie and Paul. Hi, Dusty. I'm really glad you guys are here. Um, doing a little series where I've asked everybody who is on the free lessons uh, mailing list if they have a question and they want it answered like in person live like we're doing right now uh, as long as they don't mind doing it in public uh, I will give them free half-hour lesson so we're gonna try it and see how it works um, Paul had mentioned something about uh, court cards and Kathy seemed to like that idea Paul, was there something specific that you wanted to know about court cards today? Yes, Dusty. Um, I'm a little bit cautious when perhaps um, looking at a king as a court card, but really the person we're talking about is a female or vice versa. I'm a little bit apprehensive that one cannot actually relate to the opposite. Is that correct? No, that's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, okay, let's let's back up just a little bit because I, I want to cover that. But um, the essence of the tarot, um, and now there's a schism, so this is this is where it gets a little uh, squirrely. Uh, as I understand, uh, in Europe or at least continental Europe, um, the traditional tarot is uh, not the the pip suits are not illustrated and therefore in a lot of divination practices uh, only the trumps or the alleged major arcana I have to put finger quotes about that are used so that kind of removes the court cards although the court cards could be used as significators now certainly with the advent of uh, Arthur Edward Waite and Pamela Coleman Smith with the uh, what's what's called the Rider Waite or the Pamela Coleman Smith Arthur Edward Waite or PCS or whatever you want to call it, but the Smith Waite deck, however, that thing that has spawned um, a huge uh, resurgence of interest in the tarot, and so a lot of the modern decks, at least in America, and then you know going back to Europe, uh, have had the pip suits illustrated. So now we have um, hip suits and court cards and major arcana cards or the trump suits. So all the cards are used. Now, the court cards have often been relegated as either significators or specifically indicative of man, woman, child. This is how I was raised in the tarot. I read all those books, Eden Gray and all the others, and it said very simply, um, King of Wands, man, blonde hair. Well, I'm sorry, but that's kind of racist um, because it said the King of Wands, blonde hair, uh, King of Swords, black hair, King of, uh, oh no, I think it was King of Cups, blonde hair, King of uh, Wands, like red hair or brown hair, but it assumed that everyone was Anglo-Saxon. It's like, well, you know, they just can't really, you know, you can't really pigeonhole people like that. So, 
uh, that really irked me. And so when it finally came time for me to to write my book, like 30, 40 years later on on this thing, I decided that uh, oh, not 40 yet. Um, I decided uh, from my experience that the way to determine what uh, the card was indicating was by personality type. So I went with the uh, astrological elements, fire, earth, air, and water, being, let's say, the king of wands was the fire science, uh, Aries and Leo and Sagittarius and so forth. So it was not race or ethnicity or appearance-centered as much as it was uh, personality or personality traits-centered. Um, and that's worked out very well. Now, we still have the problem of male versus female. Um, so, if we are certain that a card is relating to someone of the opposite gender, like, you know, all signs point to and validate that this card specifically indicates that person, well, now we have a, a dichotomy. We're gonna, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, well, how can the... Uh, how can the King of Cups uh, apply to Kathy? Because Kathy is a female, and then we got the King of Cups. It's like, well, we're Knight of Cups. Like, well, that doesn't make any sense, at least on the surface. Here is where we have to predetermine. If we don't, if anything I say, by the way, uh, in this podcast, you disagree with, feel free to disregard that. That means Paul and, and, and Kathy, plus anybody else. Uh, but otherwise, I'm just going to give you the benefit of my experience and wisdom, um, be that, you know, what it is. Um, experience, yes, wisdom is questionable. Um, what I have found, and again, I'm drawing, when I say I, I'm drawing off of my own experience, plus uh, the good fortune of working with hundreds of professional psychics day to day in the same offices, year, uh, for several years at a time. So... I didn't invent all this. A lot of the stuff, obviously, I learned from, from some of the greater minds than mine. mine. But um, what we have collectively found that has worked for us, because uh, core cards are a bear. They're, they're just a pain in the butt. Um, because it, it's hard to translate from the society that they were created in to the society that we have today. Um, but what we worked, uh, what worked out well for us was um, uh, indicators of uh, personality type, uh, specifically gender assignation. Easily, you know, uh, kings or men, queens or women. That's nice and easy. And then, if you want, we can say uh, the wands are active people, and the swords are brainy people, and the um, the cups are friendly people or emotional people. I mean, you can't really say when it's friendly or not. Um, you know, or you can do uh, astrological uh, signs. But when you come in, when you come to the problem of crossing genders, um, what I would do is I would look very carefully. You know, obviously to make sure that uh, that I, the reading is correct, that I've uh, verified. Uh, the rest of the spread that I verified that this card is um, you know, appropriate, but um, if I'm if I'm trying to make sense of it and everything else looks uh, appropriate, sorry for all the preamble, but the direct answer is 
you have to look at what that card is indicating about the person um, in the sense that uh, if we talk about energy, and, and this is a, a big point in the astrology book that I'm writing right now, um, it's difficult to teach astrology because we have to get past the whole gender issue or, or the whole sex issue. Gender is not necessarily about um, uh, about the physical sex. It, it does include that. But gender can be um, a, uh, a label for uh, polarity. For example, in uh, electric uh, electronics and in magnetism, we have um, terms like positive and versus negative. And that's not, you know, we, we use those terms for good and bad, you know, it's good or bad, but that has nothing to do, you know, a positive pole is not any nicer, friendlier than a negative pole. Um, and in astrology, we use the terms positive and negative, but we also use the terms masculine and feminine to mean the same thing. And we, we get into elements, we have fire and air, those are the masculine or positive or proactive uh, elements, uh, you know, proactive, positive, masculine, basically all meaning the same thing. Then we have the negative, that doesn't mean bad, that doesn't mean inferior, it doesn't mean anything like that, but negative, feminine, or receptive, or seductive, you know, again, uh, or reactive, aggressive versus seductive, as in aggressive, I go and I take what I want. Seductive, I get you to bring it to me. Um, uh, let's see, uh, we've got uh, proactive, I'm going to take this, reactive, I'm going to wait for you to act, and then I will react, uh, or then I will act. So, um, the point being is that if we can see personality types or see energy in the sense that we all can be proactive, we all can be reactive, I mean, that's, that's just common sense, we, we know that, then we take it back to the tarot card. We can say, is this saying, you know, this King of Cups, is this saying that Kathy is taking a very proactive or masculine stance? Again, just saying masculine stance kind of confuses the issue. So this is why I want to say positive, proactive, uh, aggressive, something to help our feeble minds, or at least mine, um, get away from the whole gender issue and understand the energy that the king, uh, in this case, would be uh, pointing out. Does that make any sense, Paul? Yeah, that's really helpful to now appreciate the fact that the king and the queen can actually mean far more than just the gender. Yeah, or, the, or the sex, right. Um, I, I know I used a lot of words, and uh, I apologize, but it's, it's a very difficult... It's just a layer of things we need to know so that we can get to the point of going, oh, well, that was easy. But but we have to go through the steps to, to know it. And it's just not taught in tarot school. It's not taught in, in books. Um, it's so easy to go, uh, you know, kings are men, queens are women. Done and done. Thank you very much. Good night. And, and I'm good with that. I understand that this is how, you know, we, we teach the kiddies. But... When we're out there reading for people, especially if we're getting paid, and more, most especially if we're getting paid top dollar, you know, a couple hundred dollars an hour, our clients really want uh, the best from us, and we have to be able to deliver, 
you know, accurate, detailed results. And so we can't allow ourselves to be limited by the tool. And so if the tarot only has 78 cards and we refuse to read reversed and all the court cards only mean people, now we're limiting ourselves. Um, we're, we're forcing the, and then, you know, if we start reading key words, we're, we're screwed because we're limiting the number of things that the tarot can describe. And, and that doesn't do our, our client any good. We end up with just vague, vague readings, vague information. So, um, let's, uh, Kathy, did, did I clarify that? Did you have any questions? Um, I- when I do the king and queen, I, I basically think of them both being masculine and feminine. And I have an easier time doing that, thinking that uh, somebody might have more masculine characteristics or traits, and somebody might have more feminine characteristics and traits. So it doesn't really matter which one shows up. Right. What I'm saying is when you're interpreting a card, um, and it comes up specifically to answer now, let me step back a moment, just in case anybody's tuned into this uh, episode for the first time and has not heard anything in the past. Um, there's a pecking order. And I, this is all in Advanced Tarot Secrets. If you if you haven't read Advanced Tarot Secrets, uh, you won't be familiar with this, so let me bring you up to speed. Um, anybody listening? Uh, there's something called the uh, that I call the pecking order. When we are sitting in the real life, you know, real world reading, and we're trying to figure out what does this card mean, blah blah blah. Um, there's there's an order of importance. You know, we have a lot of things to consider, like the question that you ask, the uh, question your client asks. They're not exactly the same thing. Client situation, um, the card, the traditional card meaning, the interpretation uh, out of the book the uh, card position, other cards aspecting it. So we have to prioritize and say, well, what's most important? And so at the very top of the heap, if we're trying to figure out what this card means in this particular reading for this client based on the question, um, the most important indicator of what a card means is the question that you, the reader, ask. Um, Because there's only 78 cards, and therefore, the cards have to have a variety of meanings, and our intuition has to decipher what the appropriate reading for, what the appropriate meaning for this particular moment and this particular client is. So, the most accurate methodology I found over the last tens of thousands of clients is the question uberalis, the question overall and above all and shines like a light on the hill. Um, if Paul comes to Kathy and says, you know, I need to know why my boss doesn't like me and blah, 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 Kathy's going to talk to him for a little bit, get a little information, and she may decide to ask a question specifically about the boss because, you know, she, she wants to give Paul the right information, but often our clients walk in and they won't, they won't ask what they want to know. They will be, uh, assumptive that we know everything. They will be embarrassed about asking. Um, 
for example, no offense, Paul, but let's say Paul wants to have an affair with his secretary, but he doesn't want to tell Kathy, I have an affair with his secretary. He's like, there's this girl that I like. You know, it's just human nature that your client may not give you all the details. So their question may be a cleverly disguised, or I think cleverly disguised, way of getting information without revealing it to you. And you may get the uh, hunch, or by talking to them a little bit, you may get the strong information or impression that you're better off asking something other than exactly what they're asking. What is that? The cards speak to you. The cards do not speak to your your um, client. Your client is there. You are the one providing a service. I like to um, I like to compare it to a mechanic or a doctor. Uh, there's no mechanic in the world who's going to let you walk in and start rearranging his shop and say, ah, oh, out of my way, you, you damn hippie. I'll show you how to change a tire. Um, if we go to a mechanic, we put our car in, in their trust. We say, fix it. And they look at it, and they pull out the wrenches and frenostats and thermos blobs and whatever, and, and they make it work. Same thing with the doctor. <laughs> we don't lie on the operating table and then try to, try to tell the doctor, give me that scalpel. Um, so why do readers hand their deck over to somebody who's going to get their germ-infested hands on them, and then they're going to fold the card? Oops, I folded your card. Well, it's only one card. You have 77, right? Yeah, you're saying you have more? Now you got to get a whole brand new deck because your card, your deck is ruined. Now, if anybody's ever had to break a, a brand new deck in, oh, that's just fun. Plus, this is your deck that you worked with, and it gives you a really good answer to you. You've developed like this nice little chummy bond with it. Um, and if that sounds superstitious, tell you what, baseball players get paid millions of dollars a year. And I'm just using, I mean, there's obviously other other uh, examples. Those guys are ridiculously superstitious about their, their bats and their gloves and, and their hats and, and whatnot. So... Um, it's okay to be a little superstitious. Just, just don't let it run your life. Um, so why would anyone let, why would you let people touch your cards? Or why would you let your clients just go, I want to know this, and then you just throw out cards without even, you know, thinking. You, know. you want to be in control of the reading. You want to ask, here is my question. And then you are shuffling the cards, and the gods will put the cards in order, and the cards, or at least the top cards, because the whole deck doesn't need to be in order. You've made it like an arrangement. I'm going to do the Celtic Cross, I'm going to ask this question, or I'm going to do a three-card reading, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. You know before the cards come out how many cards you're going to need, what your question is, and the only agreement is that those particular cards are going to be in order. You're going to ask any more questions, you've got to shuffle the rest of them. So... At the very top of the list is the question you ask. So, uh, bringing this all the way back to the, the court cards. How do we know if a court card means this or this or this or this? Well, based on the question that you asked, that court card like bounces off. It's like um, you're bouncing the uh, question off of the card. You're saying, okay, I'm asking this. And then the card comes up. We're like, oh, okay, well. Based on this, what does that card tell me? The hardest meanings you'll ever get is when you're sitting there doing the exercises uh, or, or just goofing around with the card, 
trying to figure out what a card means out of context. When you have a card in context, we know a situation. Uh, Paul is at work. We know the question, why does Paul's boss have a thing for him? What, you know, what, what's going on with Paul's boss? Then, then Kathy can form a specific question based on that information. And then the cards will answer or the cards will be put in an order so that they trigger something in Kathy's uh, subconscious mind to vomit out information that is appropriate to that question. So that's how we figure out um, whether that king or queen is specifically saying this is a personality trait or if it's referring to somebody other than Kathy. Does that help at all, Paul? Yes, that's been extremely helpful. Thank you very much indeed. No, thank you. Kathy, what do you think? No, that's that's quite clear. Okay. I like that about um, you have to make sure it's not independent of the uh, spread. All I'm trying to do is make it easier for you guys to get better, uh, more detailed, more accurate answers uh, and, and make it easier for you guys. Because the easier, less stressful it is for you, the more clients you can run through in a day. Also, your accuracy should go up. I say should because there's no guarantees in life. That's my new thing. Is I'm, uh, I'm getting paranoid about people saying, "Ah, you said you say, you know what? I will tell you how like it is, and uh, I will tell you everything I can. Uh, but you gotta go out and do the work yourself. So let's assume you do the work. So you should be um, getting more accuracy, um, easier. You know, again, let nature do the heavy work for you. Um, you shuffle, you wait for the little ding, awareness, and you say, ah, that's in the right order, flip, flip, flip. The more you do your pre-spread work, it's my fancy term, pre-spread work, it's anything before the cards are actually on the table. That, talks, that includes talking to your client, finding out what they want to know, formulating a question, shuffling into the cards, deciding what... Uh, what spread you're going to use and even you know doing your little pre-spread mental walkthrough that's also an advanced of secrets you can look it up in the book but um the more you do that the easier it is going to be it, it's all it is it's uh it's like preparation for anything the more you rehearse your lines and the better your costumes and the more tickets you sell the easier it will be to have a good time once the curtain comes up. You got a full theater, you got an audience, you know what you're doing, you you know what the lines are. If you if you forget the lines of somebody holding up a cue card, if you trip and fall, there's a there's an understudy. I mean, no matter what, the show's just gonna go on bippy bobby. So, you know, that would be for example like a play. Um, for the reading, the more of your pre spread work that you've done, done. You know, it's easy. The cards come out and it's truly a joy when you experience this and you have a reading where it just seems like the perfect cards came out in the perfect order and it's so easy you want to just point to this and, and, and show to your clients and say, look, isn't this amazing? I mean, it, it's crystal clear. Have, Paul, have you had have you had that experience yet, where uh, where you've had one or several readings where you're just stunned at how clear everything is, and you wish they could all be like this? Yes, um, in fact, I never cease to be amazed by the strength of the message that literally jumps off the cards. It's it's just staggering, 
how accurate the cards uh, are again and again and again. Amazing. Well, that just means you're doing your job right. And I want you to get to that point and have that experience as frequently and as often as possible. It's good for it's good for your bank balance. Uh, it certainly helps your clients. And that's the thing. The more we help our clients, the more they'll come back. I, I'm not into, I, I even hate the term psychic junkies, but it's an unfortunate term that, that's passed around the industry to describe people who keep coming back for answers over and over and over and over because they come back to hear what they want to hear. And um, the ethical uh, ones of us, ethical readers, um, do our best to help these people but wean them off of you know coming back for readings and readings. Uh, so when I say that we want our clients to come back over and over, we want them to take the information, work with it, use it, benefit from it, prosper from it, go live your life, have a good time. Uh, you know, you come back for a checkup, great. Or you come back with something new, that's fine. But um, we're not here to create addictions. We're here to help people solve problems. And in so doing, um, our best uh, advertisement is word of mouth. So, Paul, if you just keep doing that, and if we just keep refining little bits, you know, find out what's not working, what could be done a little better. We keep making you better and better and better. Uh, people can't help but but blab about how great you are and and how much they're enjoying it, and uh, and other people will naturally be jealous and say, "I want some of that for myself." And you know, next thing you know, you have to raise your rates because you can't sleep at night because people are like, hey, oh, hey, 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 open up. I know you're in there. I need help. And that's really the mark of when you've made it is that um, people come to you over and over. And this is why I keep saying, at least I'm sorry if I haven't said this in a podcast, but uh, I, I keep saying this to my private students. Do your job right. Do your job well. Uh, focus on quality. Uh, and even if you have to go out and read for a hundred people, uh, choose your targets well. Choose the people that you want to read for that you're going to read for free. You want, um, you know, reasonably intelligent people um, who are emotionally healthy and uh, will take the information and, you know, take a look. And they, not necessarily that they'll believe everything you say but that they'll take it with an open mind and they'll see if it works out for them because these are the people that will come back and pay you for a reading. If you've done your job well and they say, wow, this is pretty good. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Boy, if I knew that in advance, you know, or if I trusted uh, the person who told me that in advance, um, I would have profited from it. And so, you know, you've given them a little bit of proof well, now you've got 100 people out of which several will come back and they'll bring their friends. And then from there out, you just build your, your clientele. That is so much easier and so much less stressful than uh, working at the equivalent of psychic uh, McDonald's or psychic Kmart. You know, no offense to Kmart or McDonald's, but um, you don't want to work at the low-end bargain basement um, psychic sweatshops. It's I've, I've been there and, and I've seen it. Uh, I've seen other people do it. 
and uh, it just eats you alive. Okay, there's my rant of the day. Uh, you guys got any other questions? I'm I'm here and uh, uh, answer anything. Dusty, um, if you have time, keeping with the topic of court cards, where the court card that has come up in the reading seems to be outside of the age group of the person that we're perhaps focusing on. For example, uh, a page coming up when it's... uh, the subject of the reading is about an adult or vice versa have you got any advice regarding the age barriers of the court cards well let's address pages first good question um as i understand because i'm from america which means uh, i don't know anything about that european stuff uh but as i have have been led to believe pages uh, were speci- you know in history were specifically young children usually boys that that were farmed off this is before the the whole boarding school uh, by their parents to to another family for example one uh, well-to-do person would send their children off to um, be um, uh, an errand boy or um, a student of, or an assistant, you know, they'd give a little uh, character and lessons um, to the service of another family. Uh, And so that page was essentially um, a student or messenger or an errand boy, so to speak. I believe they have, uh, I believe back in the 1920s in in East Coast, they had a page boys, little messenger boys running around in hotels and uh, or movie theaters and whatnot. Again, uh, my uncivilized nature is, uh, is showing through. Um, uncultured buffoon that I am. So, be that as it may, in the tarot, pages are kind of an interesting catch-all. They can either mean students or messages. Uh, any kind of information like a bill or a summons or um, a, a subpoena or um, a love note, um, good news, bad news. So it could be a message or a communication of sorts or a student, somebody. Now, the student, uh, that could be anywhere from a, a child all the way through, let's say, a college student. And I suppose it probably could even deal with vocational schooling under the right circumstances, which could be of any age. Uh, or, pages are children, because the only children I can think of at the top of my head are the, the two little brats in the Ten of Cups, uh, the two kids in the uh, Six of Cups. Um, Cassie, can you think of any other kids that uh, just... Oh, there's the, su- there's the baby oh. and the son. Mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm talking, you know, right or wait, of course. What about the, um, I don't know, what you mentioned the Six of Cups? Yeah, Six of Cups has two kids. Um, but anyway, there's not really a lot of cards that represent children. Um, it's like, hmm, kids, kids. Uh, so, you know, the pages work. So that, that covers some of the pages. Now, on the other hand, 
uh, if you're, you know, vice versa, if you're talking about something like a king or a queen that seems to be outside of the age group, uh, you have to really, I, mean, I don't want to dodge the, the question, but you have to take the entire reading in context. We have to say, okay, first of all, we have to verify that the reading is, is accurate. Uh, how do we do that? Again, it's advanced tarot secrets. I, I have a full-on system on how to verify the accuracy of any spread. Um, any well-designed spread, some voodoo spread that somebody made up and you know, out of their out of their butt, um, may not have a way to verify its accuracy. But generally speaking, any well-designed spread um, can be verified for accuracy. Uh, so we cover that. So let's assume we've done that. Let's say we said, ah, this spread is I certify. What is it? Um, it's coroner. I certify. I've thoroughly examined her. Not only is she really dead, she's really, really, really dead. From the Wizard of Oz. So if we've if we've certified that this spread, I really certify that this spread is accurate, um, and the rest of the cards make sense. And then we have this glaring omission. We got this this court card like ah, it doesn't make any sense. We have to take the question, and then below that, okay, the pecking order, real quick. The question, and then below that, the client's situation. And then below that, the client's question. And then uh, things like uh, card position, card meaning, aspect in cards, um, all of these things that, that, that factor into it to help guide your, your intuition to go, oh, oh of course. Because yeah. sometimes your intuition is, is shy, like my cat. Anything else? Cat's friendly now, and he's doubled in size. But um, holy crap, a, a train goes down the, the tracks a mile away and he runs. He's like, oh no, it's a loud noise. <laughs> so it, it's, the, the intuition is kind of like that. Sometimes it, it freaks out. We're like, help, I need some help here. And their intuition is like, oh no, I don't want to come out and play. I'm like, ah, crap. So we have to we have to go and logically build this up and go, okay, let's see. And, you know, what was my question? We have to look at the card and go, what was my question? Uh-huh. And it was about this. Uh-huh. And the general meaning of the card usually is, uh, uh, and then card positions. And then that will help us go, oh, <laughs> the answer was right there. I just didn't see it. Um, and it's okay as long as we get the right answer. And so it's okay if we have to work for it a little bit. Sometimes, you know, and I, and I, I think that's a very uh, salient point. It's something I need to bring up is that it's okay if your intuition doesn't jump out at you right away. This happens more often than not, especially if you've got a lot of clients or you're doing like the psychic fair or something where you're like reading one after after another or you're doing a party and like one after another after another. Um, sometimes you just won't click or somebody's like, I don't believe in all this stuff and it's like sending you negative vibes like, ah, I'm choking on it. And you can't quite just just sync up with them. So you got to go back and go to the basics like, Okay, well, a card normally means this, and it's aspecting this, and this other card shows it this, and and here's the situation. Sometimes you got to kind of, you know, sky psychic foreplay. You just kind of kind of warm yourself up to it and go, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Here's your answer. Go away. Uh, okay, so I hope that helps. I know I didn't answer it directly, Scott, but again. It comes down to a case-by-case -case situation, but I want to give you the tools 
to be able to answer that question for yourself when you find yourself in that spot. Because there's no, as much as I'd like there to be, there's no one simple concrete answer. Ah, it means this, it means that. Um, again, if we had a divination system where we had like, I don't know, 500 cards in the deck, might be a little bit more cut and dry. We could do a little math. Well, you know, this plus this plus this, and you know, three card a lot of three card spread. And you can always do a clarification spread, uh, clarification card. Um, I think I covered that in the Easy Explorer and Zero. It's definitely an advanced Zero Secrets, but a uh, clarification card uh, is you're pretty sure, uh, you, you know, can be more than pretty sure, you're, you're certain that the spread is accurate. You're, you're good. The rest of the cards make sense. You can't just, you can't just go, oh, uh, card number one. Oh, I'm lost. I'll just pull a clarification card. No. You, you got to kind of... You can't do that in one card spread. It's like, what does this card mean? Well, I'll just pull a clarification card. I'll just keep pulling cards. You know, that's no way to get accurate answers. But if you've got that nagging card, especially if it's a court card, in the middle of an otherwise really killer spread, like, ah, I'm not getting this. Shuffle, 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 think, focus. You're doing a little one-card reading on one card out of your spread. And it's the whole um, uh, hero psychic thing, where the hero or the, the central card is the one that you're opening up, and opening up from Easy Flow and Terror. It's right in there. And the sidekick card is the clarifying or aspecting card. That's the card that you're drawing. So you got to shuffle, 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 pull the right card, and blam, you set that down. That aspects, clarifies, shapes, or explains. So it helps you understand that card, and then you put that all in context with the rest of the meeting. Reading. Does that help, Paul? Yes, it's been extremely helpful knowing that the cards don't have a singular hard and fast cut and dry meaning. has opened up my view on the court cards and has broadened my scope on how I'll be able to work with them in the future. Very helpful. Thank you very oh, much. Thank you. And, and, you know, do me a favor. Um, if you can choke it down, try to go back to one of the early podcasts I did where we did talk about court cards. There may be some information in there somewhere that's uh, of value. Uh, Maria was supposed to be with us today. We, She was early, then she was late. and uh, So I'm going to try to get her on next time. So hopefully she'll be here. Kathy, did you have any other questions? Um, this might be too long, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, how do you marry the knight's character traits with their action aspect? Oh, um, now that's a good question. Uh, the knights, I'll give you the short answer and then we'll get out of here. Knights are, are interesting to me because they're the only cards, hmm, they're the only subset of cards, you know, the four different knights, four different, you know, they're all the same. It's like, well, I've got a person on a horse in armor. So we have to figure out what makes them different. Well, all of them indicate motion or travel, hence the whole concept of the knight. Um, what I found that works for me is looking at... Um, the rate of progress, and I like the knights uh, as indicators of rates of progress. You know, how fast or slow is this going to go? Is someone reluctant uh, or somebody uh, uh, adventurous or excited about something? For example, just going from stop 
to ridiculously fast. We have the uh, Knight of Pentacles or Knight of Coins at a dead stop. And if you look at him, and I'm, again, going over with the Rider Waite version or the or Pamela Coleman-Smith version, however you want to call it. Um, he's sitting there. He's holding up a coin. It reminds me of a, uh, the line from Mad Max where he's like, oh, there's a tanker down the road, blah, blah, blah. You want that? You talk to me. It's like, here's the coin. You want this? Hey, talk to me. You want my money? You come to me because he who has the gold makes the rules. That's, that's what he's saying to me because his horse is at a dead stop. And if you know anything about horses, you can see he's kind of reining his horse in nice and tight. Matter of fact, I think Pamela made almost all of the horses reined in tight except for them. Okay, so he's at a dead stop. Then you have Mr. I don't know. I'm not quite ready to commit um, the Knight of, uh, of Cups. Now, it looks like he's trotting because, you know, horses trot with two feet on the ground. They walk with, okay, stand four feet on the ground. They walk with three feet on the ground, trot with two feet on the ground, uh, canter with one feet on the ground, and gallop uh, with no feet on the ground. It's like, nope, it's like leaping from it. So those are the, those are the various uh, uh, gates of a horse. So it looks like he's trotting, which would mean this is very dressage, very, oh, I'm hoity-toity, look at me. But... Um, it could be that Pamela Coleman-Smith was trying to say he was walking. You know, we had to go back and say, hey, Pamela, what are you doing? Walking, trotting, whatever. But he's about to cross a river. Um, a river is a, is a barrier throughout time. Uh, rivers separate states, provinces, and countries. Um, possibly even continents. Although they're probably more like a strait or a canal or an ocean. But the um, point being is that... Being is that it is the Knight of Cups, water is the element, and there's a water barrier. And it's very barren on his side and a little less barren on the other. It's a little bit more rocky terrain. If I don't have the picture in front of me at the moment. Um, but it always occurred to me that this guy was coming right up on a decision. Kind of imagine that uh, the stereotypical bachelor. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to commit to her soon. I'm going to have to make that engagement. And it looks like he's kind of dragging his feet. Like, uh, I'm enjoying my last few days before the gallows. You know, again, the whole point is stereotypical. Um, so it, that card says to me that his rate of progress and therefore uh, his character traits are, this is somebody who's reining in his emotions or someone who's proceeding very carefully. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's great. The Knight of Wands, there's only two reasons to rear your horse up on its hind legs. One is you're showing off. Hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. Which I do that all the time. I just walk around going, look at me. <laughs> and the other one is like uh, the, the, the uh, famous painting of Napoleon. Um, you know, it's like, and you don't even have to be aware of this painting, but if you are, it makes sense. Uh, you know, when you're rallying the troops, so you raise, or, or any action, you know, uh, any action movie uh, with with horses in it where the hero raises his horse up and he's holding his sword. He's like, all right, boys, follow me. And, you know, presumably men are, are you know, charging or whatever. And the aspect of raising your horse up is like a rallying cry. Ergo, or, or therefore, just whatever. Um this guy raising his horse on his hind legs. He's either a pompous, arrogant ass, like a peacock, 
you know, which which goes with the whole um, the fire sign. Look at me, look at me. So he's either an attention whore, or and again, this could be you know male or female. It's not it's not gender specific, or it could be somebody who needs the attention, appreciation, or permission of others before they act. So it's either somebody showing off or somebody announcing, you know, could like, uh, I think the term is saber rattling. You know, it means, you know, you grab your saber and you start rattling it in the scabbard going, don't make me pull this out. I will use it, you know, and it's a, it's a political term that means harumph, harumph, you know, uh, United States, Russia, China, you know, whatever superpowers are, and it's called saber rattling with a bunch of like, uh, you know, uh, I think right now, like Turkey, and United States are going at it. They're just uh, rah, rah, rah. so that would be saber rattling. So this is very. I find that the personality traits of this person or the actions they're undertaking is very boisterous. Somebody is being very loud and aggressive, either with a purpose or they're just a pompous blowhard. Paul, is that is that cool? Is that making sense? Yeah, very, very helpful. Thank you. And then last one is full speed ahead. Damn the torpedoes. I am. And this goes back to horse anatomy. If we look at the Pamela Coleman Smith version, especially uh, the the and I don't want to say the original Rider Waite, because the thing that they call the original Rider Waite isn't even close. But the decks from 1910, 19, uh, 09, 1910, 1920, 1930, um, all the same basic line work. Um, we see that in the Rider Waite or the, you know, basically, yeah, literally the Rider Waite, the one that comes in the yellow box. In the Universal Waite, they kind of changed. Uh, Mary Hanson Roberts kind of re-inked it. And in the, um, that other one, the Radiant, um, it looks like the right away, but they, they totally screwed up the, the line work on it. It doesn't look quite the same, but if you look at the original art that Pam did, um, look at the horse's eyes. That horse is going crazy. It's like, ah, his tongue's hanging out. It's like, oh, my God, there is no horse in the world. I don't care who you are or if you manufacture, genetically engineer a horse. You cannot make a horse that will run full speed at a gallop, leap, and look backwards while doing it. A horse looks forward because it wants to know where it's going to land. I mean, that's like, I'm going to run towards a brick wall and then turn my head and go, hey, everybody, look at me, I'm running. That's the dumbest thing in the world. The horse does not look backwards. The horse is looking backwards because it's more afraid of the idiot on its back. You know, that's the sword. And if you look at the knight of swords, it's like, ha, 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 he's foaming at the mouth. Like, ah, I got a sword, ah. He's like a dog who's been starved. You're like, here's some food. He's just like, oh my God, food, 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 food. So the Knight of Swords, um, he looks to me like a reckless driver. And again, take this as you will, but just this is this is all exercise one. Sit down and just have fun looking at your cards. And like, you know, literally climb inside the, the the card and say, what the hell are you doing there, son? Um, and you look at the horse, and again. If a horse's ears are laid flat back, it is generally looking backwards. It's interesting thinking about horse analogy. You can usually tell which way a horse is looking. Uh, by the way, its ears are pointing. And if, so uh, in the original first artwork uh, in, uh, rendition by, uh, by Pamela, Pam, um, 
the eyes on the horse are backwards and the ears are flat back. So that horse is absolutely not paying attention to where it's landing. Now, if you look at the fact that both of its legs are outstretched, that means it is mid-leap. It's not walking, trotting, or cantering. It's not sauntering along. This horse is being, you know, whipped. Go faster, faster, faster. And so the fact that the horse is looking back shows that um, the uh, the mechanical term, like if you're into autos, is uh, the horse being redlined. It's like driving your car to where the, the needle on your uh it was a tachometer. That's how your faster engine's going. It, it's it goes into the red line. You're gonna blow up your engine. It's going, you know, it's like it, it's the needle is buried. So he's overdriving his horse. Ergo, therefore, whatever. Um, this is a crazy nut. Oh my God! It's our first date. Let's go to let's go to bed. Whoa, so they're on there, Skippy. I mean, it's, it's whatever it is. It's that this person is so exuberant that they're they're going. They don't want to go to first base, second base. They want to go just let's go straight to home base plate. So this, to me, um, generally speaking, because remember, it all has to fit into the context of the question. But generally speaking, the Knight of Swords indicates um, someone who has propensities of. Uh, Recklessness, they want everything done fast, or, or they're an alpha personality. Out of my way, I'm a knight. Um, so that's that's what has worked um, for me over the years. Again, use whatever works for you. And the point, rule number one, as always, if what you're doing uh, works consistently, you know, if what you're doing works, then you are right. If it doesn't work, stop doing it. No sense being a damn fool about it. So, uh, boy, that was a little bit longer than I thought, but I'm really happy that uh, we were able to. Uh, Kathy, did that did that kind of help you at all? Yeah, it pulled it together really clearly. Thanks very much. Okay, great. Thank you. I, I don't ever want to come across and say this is the only way it is, but I want to give you guys the best possible advice information and, uh, you know, details that you can work with because it, all that matters is when you are out in the field, uh, you get results and, and your clients go, oh, my God. Or if you don't want to read, there's a lot of people out there don't want to read for anybody else. Well, fine. Read for yourself or manifest for yourself. Uh, you know, with the deck of tarot cards, you can you can own the world. You can just basically call your own shots and you never have to read for anybody. You can... Uh, be an accountant or a janitor or police officer or doctor. I've got several. I've got several doctors uh, as students. They're smart. They just like they just like knowing this stuff. Um, you can be whatever you want and never have to read for someone. Um, but if you do want to read, you know, I want to make sure that you you get the best possible information. So, thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Paul and Kathy, very much for being here. Um, and just a quick note to everybody else, if you are on the mailing list to get the free lessons and you would like a free private lesson like this, um, well, kind of public lesson actually, uh, email me, you, you know how, you know where, uh, any, any last thing, Paul? 
No, thank you very much, Dusty. You've given me uh, a wealth of information and material to explore now. Well, thank you for showing up. I uh, gave me someone to talk to. And, and Kathy, thank you for showing up. Was there anything anything else we can do? No, I just appreciate all your help. That's great. Thank you. Okay, okay I'm going to hang up. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Dusty. Thanks, bye. Thank you. See you next time.